modeled it pretty well in anticipating that first wave. So we had a hit rate of just over 80%, which is pretty good. From our road offices in the New York Tri-State area, welcome to No More, Risk Better, a Credit Sites podcast. This podcast offers conversations with our analysts to get their perspective and expertise on the global credit markets. If you're an investment professional that touches the wide universe of fixed income, you will want to give us a listen. We are living a surreal life right now, but our team of nearly 100 analysts continues to publish content to our more than 15,000 readers across global credit markets. I'm Christopher Snow, the moderator, and I'm here with Kai Jilks, head of Quantitative Group. Hi, Kai. Welcome. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Up to now, we've hosted discussions with our fundamental strategy and sector analyst teams, and today we'll shift focus to our quantitative team, which is no less important to understanding the financial markets. Specifically, we're going to hone in on our Fallen Angel score. So Kai, can you talk about what the Fallen Angel score is and what it does? Absolutely. Chris, the Fallen Angel score is a quantitative assessment of the likelihood of a triple B issuer in either Euro or US credit markets being downgraded to high yield over the next 12 months. So the signal is there to provide an early warning for that downgrade. And the signal incorporates information from fundamentals, so income statement, balance sheet information, and also from the markets, from both equity and credit markets. Your work has long looked at an estimated default risk. Uh, and here we have a fallen angel score. You're actually measuring the downgrade risk, which is the, you know, the agency behavior of taking investment grade name and making it high yield. And so, you know, how is that different and how should clients think about the default risk versus downgrade risk? Yeah, this is a really interesting question and one I get asked a lot. And downgrades, as of course, can occur at all points in the credit spectrum. And a downgrade from, say, single A to triple B, triggered by some sort of M&A action, is a very different event than a downgrade from, say, single B to triple C after a restructuring event. So downgrades, predicting downgrades in general is, is a really tough task. However, when you focus in on that specific downgrade from high grade to high yield, I found in the work that I've done, that downgrade is actually similar to a default in several ways. So what are those ways? Firstly, fallen angels exit the high-grade index, and defaults exit the high-yield index. Of course, they can come back. Defaults come back after emergence. Rising stars come back. Also, fallen angel rates are similar in magnitude to default rates. Through the cycle, they occur, I don't know, somewhere between 5%, 6% on average. So it's a quite rare event. Not so rare in the last few months, but generally quite a rare event. Thirdly, significant credit deterioration typically precedes both events, of course, more so in the case of defaults. And last but not least, it turns out, and here, we, here we're moving over to the actual fallen angel score, turns out that our ability to predict fallen angels is pretty close to our ability to predict defaults. So we have what we call an accuracy ratio. And if that's over 90%, that's a really good model. And we've managed to do that for fallen angels as well as defaults. So there are some real similarities there that we've exploited in building this tool. You mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that the model here incorporates both the company fundamentals as well as market signals. You know, the default risk model has incorporated you know, some of the signals from the equity market. Here with the Fallen Angel score, you've also incorporated bond market indications derived from spread changes. You know, what does that do for the model? Yeah, if, if you don't mind, Chris, I'd like to just step back and just mention a couple things to answer that question. Our risk products have been developed in stages. And right back at the inception of credit sites, we had a default risk model 
and we call that default risk model bond score. And bond score is, is mainly driven by equity market signals. There's a fundamental component, but it's, it's largely an equity market signal, early, early warning signal. And in a sense, bond score was uh, kind of a misnomer because it's focused on issuer default risk rather than bond level default risk. But we liked the name and we, we kept the name and, and it's, it's a great tool. And then when we developed back in 2012, our quantitative ratings models, which we call credit sites ratings, we knew that fundamentals were more important than equity information. So we worked with our sector teams to build fundamental sector models and we combined them with bond score metrics to capture medium term credit quality. So that's just kind of a bit of background. But coming up to today, when we sharpened our focus to look at fallen angel predictions specifically, we wondered whether we could get an additional boost to performance from credit markets. And we had done a lot of research on fallen angels and, and how spreads increase in the months leading up to the fallen angel downgrade. And we found that spreads roughly double in the 12 months leading up to a fallen angel. And that, that actually hits a point of inflection around six months to, to the event. And spreads really start ramping up. And so we thought, hey, let's see if those credit market signals, those bond market signals could be useful for this fallen angel prediction. Turns out that the answer is yes. And those bond market signals, spread widening, excess return volatility, aren't too correlated with equity market signals. So it's possible to combine them with the equity market signals and actually improve the overall model. So what else do bond market signals do for us? Well, they also improve the timeliness of the model because with the bond market, we're looking at what happened over the last 30 days, typically, not 250 days, which is what we do with some of our equity metrics. So they're, they're less lagged, they're more responsive to what's going on in the market. So it's kind of ironic that we started with something called bond score and ended up with a fallen angel score that actually assesses downgrade risk at the bond level. Oh, thanks, Kai. You know, speaking to those quant models, you know, I think that you know ours as well as you know what else is out there in the marketplace, they're known for capturing the true positive ratio very well. You know, that is the model. You know, when there's an event of a downgrade, uh, a lot of those are actually predicted as potentially positive events prior to that happening. But one of the challenges is the number of signals that are produced. You know, there's lots of situations that don't lead to a downgrade event, which means a lot of time and effort that an analyst would need to assess those signals. Yeah, you know, how does the fallen angel score fit into the analyst workflow? Yes, the point about false positives reminds me of a joke back in the 60s by um, Samuelson, the, the Nobel Prize winner. He said that Wall Street correctly predicted nine of the last five U.S. recessions. <laughs> so that, that's a real issue for, for any prediction model. And, and balancing that, that true positive where, you know, you predict something and it happens and, and, and the false positives where you're predicting a lot of events that don't happen. I think that balance is crucial to using a tool like this. And sometimes it can be a little bit of art as well as science. And so on average, the fallen angel score will probably generate something like, I don't know, 50 to 60 signals a week. But each week, that number doesn't churn a huge amount. It might churn by about 10 to 20%. So you might be getting you know, five to 10 new signals. So we feel that, that the, the right way to go about this for the workflow is to have a, some sort of upfront work once you're you know, getting up to speed and using the tool and make sure that you're understanding what is in that high or very high risk bucket. But then each week, the names that need attention should only be in that sort of five to 10 range. And you can adjust the cutoff so if you're tolerance, you have a little bit more tolerance, then you can 
bring down the workload by quite a bit. And I've been writing about that recently in terms of looking at the, the tail of, of more extreme fallen angel scores. So that sort of combination of a weekly review of the, of the top movers, and we, we provide a lot of, of weekly sort of analysis of, of top movers, and then combining that with a deep dive using Credit Sites Fundamental Research, for example, that's an excellent way to stay on top of those potential fallen angels. Oh, thanks. But the pandemic, you know, has obviously added a lot of stress across the corporate landscape. Uh, the agencies have dinged credits, and we've seen, as you mentioned earlier, an elevated downgrade cycle as a result of, you know, the, the, the new outlook on fundamentals. The fallen angel score has also ramped up the number of its downgrade signals. You know, I think that since February, we've actually seen about uh, a quarter of the BAML ICE indices, triple B, and low triple Bs fall to, to high yield with large names like Ford, Kraft Heinz, et cetera, leading the way. You know, this compares to just a couple percent in all of 2019. You know, how has COVID-19 affected the model's performance year to date? Yes, back in 2019, we saw the, the conditions for a perfect storm, right, were being generated. We had huge growth in triple B debt, rising leverage a lot of leniency of rating agencies towards some of the cuspiest credits. And then COVID-19 appeared and we had the first big wave of downgrades, as you said, Ford, Kraft Heinz, EQT, several other energy issues, Delta. So that big wave, I mean, the first half of, of 2020, we had 225 billion, which has never been seen before, of, of triple B debt going to high yield. So that was completely unexpected by the market, that massive first wave. And the actual performance of our model, because it's looking forward 12 months, all of the almost all of the year-to-date performance has been driven by the signals that the model was generating before the onset of the pandemic. So that's interesting because the model did pretty well in anticipating that first wave. So we had a hit rate of just over 80%, which is pretty good. Now, it's a little early to tell how the model will perform based on this ramp up that you mentioned that we saw in March, up to sort of 450 plus billion that was in this sort of high, very high risk bucket. Because it's weird, because rating agencies have hit the pause button a bit on downgrades. They're waiting to see what happens. They're waiting to see whether these companies have a path through COVID-19. But I feel it's, it's just a matter of when, not if, the next wave of fallen angels is coming. So that peak that we saw in March, where we saw 450 billion of at-risk credits, 200 billion of that has already fallen to high yield. And there's another wave coming. And it's too early to say what second quarter fundamentals look like, but there's certainly going to be a reckoning as we get further along in the year. Yeah, we know the year's been tough. You know, the Fed has been hugely supportive of the market, uh, but they're still lasting damage to the economy and by extension, corporate fundamentals. And as you sort of mentioned, it'll take some time to, to pay attention to whether you know, this is actually going to result in, in additional fallen angels. You know, what is the credit sites outlook for fallen angels? Yeah, I think that the actions of the Fed have, have been interesting because they've certainly flattened the curve, if you like, of, of fallen angel downgrades. But the damage will be significant. It'll take years to repair. I mean, leverage is still rising. We saw almost half a turn of increase for triple Bs in, in the first quarter, and that's going to probably be as much, if not more, for the second quarter. And maybe it's ironic that by keeping markets open, the Fed has somewhat helped triple B issues raise more debt and potentially increase leverage further. But I mean, I think the main issue isn't the rising debt so much as the falling EBITDA, or maybe both. So the conditions for a lasting 
damage and further downgrades are certainly intense and going to be around for a while. And our view is that over the next two years, because it's going to be a long, drawn-out process, over 300 billion more of US triple B debt will fall to high yield, possibly as much as 400 billion. We're seeing most of that coming from energy, leisure, automotive, basic industry. So there, there are no real surprises in terms of the sectors where we're going to see most of that fallen angel debt. But, but that second and potentially third wave of fallen angels is certainly on the horizon. Thank you. So I guess while I have you on the line, you know, what else are you working on? Well, as I mentioned, one of the key inputs to the Fall Angel Score is our quantitative assessment of credit quality, credit sites ratings. And so we're pretty excited to be launching a new global bank credit sites rating model in September. So that's going to extend our coverage to Asia, Asia Pacific, as well as Latin America. And we're really, really excited about that. We're also working pretty closely with our high yield distress team to put together a tool that can be used to signal distress events over the next three months. And that's uh, specifically spread widening over the sort of thousand basis point level. Uh, and last but not least, we're, we're working on some new quant factors. So we're, we're trying to find ways to create portfolios with certain desired attributes. For example, portfolios that maximize yield while minimizing default risks. That's something we're very excited about. Or maybe just portfolios of liquid bonds that closely track a benchmark. So we're kind of in that space of trying to leverage the tools that we're using to help our analysts, to help our strategists in terms of portfolio construction and portfolio optimization. Well, thank you, Kai. There's no shortage of challenges in the financials market. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing your work that you've been doing on, on the quantitative side of things. So thanks. Thanks very much, Chris. Great to speak to you. Perfect. And thank you, listeners. As always, you can find our research on our website, creditsites.com. Or if you are not a subscriber, please contact us at sales at creditsites.com. Credit size disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or produced in whole or in part. Neither Credit Sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information complained in this podcast. Credit Sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is Credit Sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. Received by the listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by Credit Sites or its affiliates.